Welcome to the Prospect League Podcast, the podcast for the past, present, and future of the Prospect League, the home of elite college baseball players from across the country. I'm Lucas Burris, back for another episode of the Prospect League Podcast, episode three already of the Prospect League Podcast. Couldn't be more excited to be back as we are just racing closer to the start of the Prospect League season, opening day, May 31st. We're continuing to go through all the exciting stuff here in the Prospect League Podcast, continuing to look towards what our history was and we're going to do so again this week but if you've stopped by here and you haven't checked out our first two episodes of the prospect league podcast check those out warren morris commissioner david brower both really exciting interviews warren morris of course that very famous home run for lsu in the 1996 college world series as our commissioner had some exciting things to say as well about his love for baseball. So David Brower, Warren Morris, those former interviews, they're available on the podcast platform or on YouTube, wherever you're watching and listening to this. So if you haven't checked out this coming up interview that we're about to get to, make sure you do so. You stop by and check out those ones after you have listened or watched this one because as you probably know, if you've clicked on this video or clicked on this podcast, you know where we're headed here. You know who the interview this week. So let's talk about our guest this week. Let me introduce another exciting alumni joining me this week as former MLB pitcher, former Illinois State pitcher, and former Quincy Gems pitcher, Neil Kotz, is joining me this week on the Prospect League podcast. Neil Kotz is a 10-year Major League Baseball veteran, having spent time with the White Sox, Cubs, Rangers, Twins, and Brewers from 2001 to 2017. He's a 2005 World Series champion with the Chicago White Sox, an Illinois State Athletics Hall of Famer, and a two-year veteran of the CICL with those two years with the Quincy Gems in 1999 and 2000. Let's head straight to it. Let's get to our interview this week with our guest, Neil Kotz. Neil Kotz, welcome to the Prospect League podcast. Hey, nice to, nice for you guys to have me this afternoon, and I'm excited to, excited to be here. I think uh, the listeners will be excited as well. And, you know, maybe you'll do better than our first few podcasts. I think that's where we're looking at right now. More, <laughs> of, a, more of a competition to see which uh, MLB and Prospect League alumni can get into it. But I'm going to jump right in. First question, you know, just a little background. You left Major League Baseball 2017. What is Neil Kotz up to these days? Uh, these days I'm uh, chasing my kids around a little bit with their sports and activities. I have a sixth, uh, sixth grader and an eighth grader. So sixth graders in soccer, eighth graders in baseball and football. So um, I do a little bit of uh, some baseball training with some buddies of mine that I grew up with through college and um, work there, coach some teams, do some private lessons, all kinds of that stuff in the baseball world. And then, um, you know, just be a dad and watch a lot of games. Yeah, it's, I think that's a, a lot of retired MLB players say the same thing. It's playing the game of baseball, retiring and, and focusing on the kids. But how connected do you think you're staying uh, to the game of baseball at the college and professional levels? I know you're you're doing some developmental work. I know you're looking at your kids in the league in high school. But how much are you staying connected um, to the game that you were connected for a long time? Um, quite a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm in the, our facility we run up here is named slammers i'm in here in there daily almost at least five five days a week between working with kids and um you know staying in shape a little bit myself and you know everything else um so i'm definitely involved in it i'm probably not involved in it in in terms of the the professional level and any aspects but um developing i deal with kids anywhere from 10 years old to you know i've have a couple kids that are trying to Oh, they're not kids now, men trying to play independent ball and um, trying to 
long keep their career going so um it's it's exciting i i enjoy i've seen myself watch baseball a lot more recently than i did when i first retired um but i i definitely enjoy the game so i enjoy watching the game i enjoy teaching the game and that takes us right to you know one of my favorite questions to ask is what initially drew you to the game of baseball and in talking about you know why you decided you were going to play baseball and that was going to be your career and what keeps bringing you back to baseball as well because it's just such an interesting game and the game that we love so what brought you there initially and what keeps bringing you back to the game of baseball well I mean I started I I grew up in a pretty small town down in southern Illinois um so we I was able able compared to up here I was able to do everything from the age of five till even through high school um I never had to pick a sport which was which was a benefit and um, really nice. So I, I played basketball, I played baseball, I played soccer all the way through high school. Um, I love baseball. My dad played baseball. I had a, a, a brief college stint with a, a junior college. My dad did. So, I mean, it was our thing. We, he worked a lot, but we, we'd play catch. We would do that daily and, you know, things like that. That was kind of how we hung out. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. To be honest with you, I played travel soccer growing up my entire life until I sophomore year in high school I was injured that kind of had to cease my travel my travel soccer career actually my soccer career in general ceased because I uh, I couldn't get back on the field um then baseball kind of took over it was I didn't change anything it was just it became more the forefront I had it in my mind I I possibly could play soccer in college maybe probably at a lower level um, but still, I had that idea that I, I wanted to continue that. And once that ended, it was more of a focus of baseball. Yeah. No, the, are the kids staying connected to soccer? Are you, are you pushing the kids any direction? Are we going soccer? Are we going baseball? Uh, what are we doing? Well, I had my son in soccer when he was young and I, I pushed him when he was not pushed him, but I, I yeah. tried to advance him from a, a rec <laughs> league to like a semi rec travel league. And he hated the coach and quit within a year. And I'm like, damn. But my daughter, my daughter plays all year round. I mean, she, she's pretty much on a soccer field about four or five, six days a week, um, which gives me a little bit of fear. She's not very diverse yet, but I'm hoping as she grows up, she'll try some other sports. Um, but it, I definitely get to enjoy the game through her. I was going to so. say, you're keeping that connection alive, which I think is exciting of someone yeah. who lost their soccer career as a sophomore in high school. But, uh, you yeah. know, we're going to dive into that baseball career of yours and, you know, talking about your time. But what was that path to ISU for you? You know, that was your big, your your stepping stone to what you're doing before we get into your CICL prospect league and then the MLB career. Moving to ISU, what was that journey like to get there, that recruiting time? And why did you eventually choose ISU? Um. <clears throat> I got I got pretty fortunate to be honest with you. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of steps in my career that I've I've been lucky that I've kind of been able been able to navigate some stuff. I, I mean I worked I worked at it once I got there, but um, I I was injured. I said in soccer, junior year of baseball wasn't. I was still kind of not back to normal. I had to have my I broke my leg as my injury, and then. I'd have my leg rebroken my before my senior year of high school. So baseball wise, my junior year wasn't it was not anything special. Summer wasn't anything special. And back then it was Legion. It wasn't all the travel. Travel baseball we have now is very different. Um and so I went into my senior year. My um 
coach in high school, actually coached in the CICL. And so when, and the pitching coach at ISU was coaching in the CICL at the same time, he threw it out there. He goes, Hey, I got a left-handed pitcher down here. Why don't you come down, take a look at him, see what he thinks. So they came down, I pitched against, we were a very, very small school. As I mentioned, I pitched against O'Fallon high school, which is one of the bigger schools down there. Ended up losing the game. I think a couple runs, I pitched pretty well, but, um, after that, they, they enjoyed what they saw. They invited me up to ISU for a recruiting trip. Um, I enjoyed the campus. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't have a whole lot of other opportunities, Division One at that point. It was – they were pretty much the only one. Um, there were a couple Division Twos, NAIA. Um, but I enjoyed I enjoyed the people I was around. I enjoyed the opportunity that – I didn't want to pass up a Division One opportunity. And I felt it felt good. I mean, I've, being from a smaller school, ISU wasn't huge. It was, I mean, compared to going to an Ohio State or I don't know, uh, U of I. You know, it was it's it feels a, a it's a moderately sized school. So um, it it had a nice fit, and it ended up being a very it ended up being a very good fit for me, academically, say. athletically, personally, and yeah. everything really worked out. I think it worked out for both parties to be able to do what you were able to do at ISU, but ISU took you um, to the CICL and where we are today. So our, our predecessor here in the prospect league was the CICL. And as we go through and I look at, you know, who I want to talk to and what kind of players I bring into this podcast, you really stood out to me because you spent two years in the CICL. You were two years with Quincy. Take me through how you initially made it on that Quincy roster for the Quincy gems in 99. And then why you came back in 2000. I, I, I believe I, I could be mistaken, but I would imagine I would probably – I don't know if I would had that opportunity right at the beginning of my, my starting. When I got there in the fall, I'm not sure that was going to be, like, my destination. Um, just I came in. I, I came in with a lot of guy. I was the only guy from Southern Illinois. Everybody else was from Chicago. Had some pretty highly touted pitchers that I came in with, um, with some pretty highly credential, you know, high school careers and big schools and um, – and so I got going. I didn't start my freshman year to start with for the first few weeks. I ended up pitching pretty well where I was. And then next thing you know, I was in the starting rotation. And back there, back then in the Missouri Valley, we played four-game series. So it was a little bit different than it is now. Sunday seemed to be like if you could find somebody to manage a game, you were going to be on a, a good – because they were look like football scores sometimes. Yep. So that, that job ended up being mine. I, I <laughs> was able to get my be a Sunday starter for the, you know, my freshman year. And I got a lot of experience that way. Um, and I think that helped promote me being able to go to the CICL and being able to pitch there. Cause I'm not sure if I would, my guess would be, I wasn't slated to go there right off the bat, just without the experience. Um, and coming into ISU is kind of just another guy, not definitely probably not on their prospect list. I don't know. It would be a yeah. good, I've never asked the question of where I stood when I came in as a freshman, yeah. the thoughts of it. Um, and then, you know, getting to Quincy though, as, as you are there in Quincy, what was your time like in Quincy? Is that fond memories for you down there with the gems for two seasons? What do you remember down there with Quincy? And, you know, what did you take away from those experiences? I mean, the experiences down there was great. I mean, I had a, an awesome host family, the, the Nottingham's, I'm not sure if they still live there, but I mean, we were close enough that they had daughters that were younger than I was at the time. I'm trying to think they might've been like 
10 and 12 when we were there and now they're like married have kids and everything so and we we've kept in touch over the years um even my family or my parents are there them um great host family um the experience the ballpark i mean we were the only at that time I don't, i'm not sure how the league is yep. now in terms of stadiums but at that time we were drawing what two to three thousand maybe four thousand people games were televised you know after the fact and i mean all all these things that you didn't get from every like going to decatur or danville i mean that stuff just didn't happen so it felt like it felt like you were at the you were in the best spot in in the in the town you know kind of mm-hmm. and um the the other aspect is just meeting meeting kid, people from everywhere you know we, they brought in a at that time i don't know how their roster is made up now i haven't looked at it too much or how the league's made up exactly but um but we had a we had a lot of talent we drew guys from a lot of uh big schools sec schools from the south and they would come up and play so it was um it was good because you always got a different perspective of how how other players treated the game or how they prepared for the game and so you can learn from other guys too yeah, and talking about that host family too, it's a fun thing to talk about. Did you stay connected with your host family post your your time there? I know a lot of MLB players have that story of the they remember the first time their host family came and watched a, a their one of their first games. Do you have any experiences like that? Yeah, yeah, I we definitely stayed connected. I mean, it was um, it was good. We would see them. Um, they, oh man, I'm trying to think. They obviously St. Louis was close, but. I know they were out in Kansas City, I believe, once to watch me play. They were different, different. I I don't know how many times they saw me play, but it was it was definitely a, a decent amount when they would be on time and their travel and their kids' lives. Um, but it was it it was fun to stay connected. It was you know it was a it was a good experience. I mean, I don't know if they all end up like mine. Where right. I mean, it was. Uh, we were we were close knit. They they truly, genuinely wanted to make life as best as they can for you for the summer for an eighteen twenty year old eighteen to twenty year old kid that's were learning to live on their own kind of right. And the, I think the host family experience ranges, and that's why I asked that question um, to the alumni that joined me because your host family experience can range from something very simple to something in in the, in the uh, stratosphere that we see pretty often is host families get an invite to a player's wedding after they've moved yeah. on. And, it, and so it's the connection you build from, you know, it's a second family to some people. So it's good to see a lot of those, those connections are still living. And a lot of those connections continued with players past the league, but going back into kind of the baseball roots of what you did uh, in Quincy in the CICL, do you feel like your time in the CIC helped you at ISU at all? Do you feel like what you were able to build on in the summer helped you develop um, towards what you were able to produce high level seasons at ISU? Um, yeah, I think anytime I, I still, I think adding in, I think adding innings and developing, you know, there's sometimes you go out, you face the, not a all-star lineup, but I mean, uh, you, sometimes you face like a little deeper lineup through summer ball than you would during the, during the, the season. Granted, we were using wood, so it was a little bit, it was a little bit different. So it was probably more sided towards the pitcher's liking but um you know there there's some benefits of it too you, you have you learn to you learn to throw the ball inside which you need to do anyway with metal bats 
even when we were back then. Um, but it can it can build the confidence because all of a sudden you see outs, you get inside, working inside on the batters. You can build confidence going through that. I thought it I thought it definitely built um, you know stamina in terms of continuing as maybe not going into the ISU season for the next two years, but when I got into a professional season, when I finished my hundred innings at ISU and then then I'm going into a professional season where you're going to a short season and now you're getting paid and you need to produce. All right. And it's real life now. It's fun, but it's, you know, this is your career now. So I think that that's a stepping stone. It kind of gave you, I mean, I would go and get 150, 160 innings a year, which is great when I kept going, you know, I think that's a, I think that really benefited me. Yeah. And talking about that development, you know, you, we're able to pick that up and get kind of, we talk about that minor league level experience at that prospect league and CICI level with everything that we're doing there. And your development in the minors was, I wouldn't say fast track, but it was, it was a speed. You got drafted in 01, you were traded to the White Sox 2002. And by 2003, you're on the major league roster, you know, take me through that experience for you and how, you know, your prior experiences helped you navigate that. But just in general, what was your experience like being able to move that quickly and finally, you know, making it to the majors? Yeah. Well, going back to my time in Quincy, I mean, this is, I mean, I did live with a, but going, living on your own, being away from home, I know I'm two hours away from home. It's not like I'm a big deal away from home, but I mean, when I got drafted and I left, I flew me out to Vancouver, halfway across this country. And, you know, I mean, this helping, granted, I'm living with another family at that time, but I mean, it's still kind of on your own, learning to, learn to navigate everything. We had to have a job in Quincy. Um, so We'd have our job, we'd do our job in the morning, you know, prepare somehow in the weight room. And then we would kind of go out and play our game um, that evening, it seemed like every day. And uh, so that kind of got, that kind of got me ready for, you know, the professional end of it. When I went to Vancouver, went to a host family the same way up there because it's a little, a little expensive to rent places yeah. in Vancouver for a, for having an, a rookie ball team there. But, um, Went up there and, you know, it was different just because, you know, as you, as I don't know, I'm, in my mind, you know, pro ball sometimes can can take a different path than like a college experience or a, a summer league experience. Because, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, everybody's there trying to trying to better themselves personally because we're trying to move up the ladder. We're trying to get to the ultimate goal of getting to the big leagues. Um, along with trying to, you know, make make the team good and do good on the team and have a prosperous season, you know, because everybody, it's fun to win. So yeah. it makes life a lot better for yeah. everybody else if we're winning. So, you know, that that aspect of professional baseball, there's like a balancing act that um, you don't see always balanced with everybody, put it that way, I guess you could say. Nice yeah, way to and put it. And I absolutely. And, and I think that's what, you know, everyone strives for at every level of baseball is figuring out that balancing act of how everyone can figure out how to be successful and develop, but also get wins. Cause that's what everyone loves to do is, is win a baseball game. But, you know, like I said, you're, you're moving up and 
by 2003, you're pitched for the White Sox. 2004, you're you're a regular kind of there. In 2005 season, that's your big season with the White Sox. You know, World Series champion. That's a big one. And I'm going to tell you straight up, we're going to have White Sox fans listening. Our biggest draw to this <laughs> podcast with VNU is going to be White Sox fans. So take me through your experience that 2005 season, your phenomenal season coming out of the bullpen, and then what winning a World Series was like with the White Sox in 2005. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. I'll tell you what, I, I got traded over there in 03 on kind of the back end of a deal. I mean, I was getting, I remember to the day I was like, I'm trying to think what I was doing. I was like packing my car to go see my parents or something. I was living in Chicago or somewhere. I don't know where I was. No, I was, I don't know where I was. You I ended was up in Chicago. That's, yeah, that's where the story is. All I know is I got a message like, oh, by the way, you got traded. I'm like, that's interesting. And I ended up being the back end of a deal with Billy Koch and uh, Keith Falk and Mark Johnson. Mm -hmm. So um, I got there, you know, life was a little bit different. I got invited to big league spring training my first year, which was eye opening to say the least. You walk into a clubhouse, the, some guys that, you know, you watched on TV, some guys that have 15, 20 years of experience, you know, doing the daily grind. Um, so you got to see that you got to see how that that operated that was eye-opening um spent about three weeks there and they sent me back and went back to my early camp which was where i deserved to be um then i uh, i went in 02 i got i got to play for wally backman in uh birmingham which was um i'll tell you what if uh, he was fun to play for and you know i learned a lot i mean if there's anything i took away from it is how hard you how hard the expectations were like to play hard. You play hard, you do your job. He was your best friend and he would pull for you as much as he could and vice versa, you know, if you weren't there. So that, that I ended up getting called up that year um, for a little stint, had a few starts, um, struggled mightily in my last one. And then I, I went back, I went, went back down and the following year, I kind of, I, I threw well in spring training. I it was kind of a decision. I don't know if it was ultimately my decision. I know they brought it up to me, but they're like, you can go in the bullpen or you can go down and start in AAA. And, and my opinion was I'll, I'll go to the bullpen and learn. And I learned, I took a lot of lumps. I had some really rough games. I had some, um, Decent, decent games, and then I, I, I just remember I was about two months into my rookie year in '04, and we were we were a decent team. We we're around 500, I would say. Um, and it was myself and the other rookie was John Atkins. We both made the team that year. He was a little bit older than me. We ended up being roommates in Chicago that year, and there were there were times where I mean, ugly games we got into and there was an interview and I don't, I don't know what reporter asked the question, but they asked Ozzy, they said, are these Neil and John, I don't know. It was just specifically myself or both of us. Yep. Are they going to, are they going to be moved? Are they, they, I gave up four runs that day or something like that. Right. And Ozzy bluntly told them, they're like, get used to it. They're going to be here all year. He goes, they pitch games that aren't close right now and they're going to learn. And from that day forward, it was, it was definitely very relaxing for my right. to understand that, oh, my manager has my back. You know, we're, we're going to try, try to fix this, you know, and try to get better and learn at the highest level, which is not, not easy. 
So that was definitely, um, definitely a nice, nice feeling that your manager had your back. So that was a one moment in my rookie year that really stood out to me. Then we got to 05 and 05 was magical to say the least. I mean, it was, yeah. um, we started, uh, we started out hot. I'll tell you what we could, we had, we had some of the best starting pitching. If we were the best starting pitching staff the entire year, I would say. Um, and I want to say there was a, st I don't know the statistic, but I, know, I, I have a feeling at the beginning of the year, there was some odd role we had on where we had the lead in like 20 straight games or something like that. We might not have held it the whole time, but that's how we were. We scored first, we got on teams and we shut them down for the entire, the entire stint. So, I mean, it, it started off really hot that year and then transitioned a little bit in the middle because we, Dustin Hermanson went down and then Bobby Jinks came up and it was a different role for everybody, a little different role. Um, obviously, you know what Bobby did. He was excellent throwing a hundred yeah. miles an hour when nobody else was doing it back then. It was, uh, it was pretty fun to watch because now it's, it's, it seems like everybody has a guy that throws a hundred, but back then, if you saw above 95, it was, it was considered pretty, pretty hard. Um, and near the end of the season, near the end of that season, we had a little lull where I'm trying to think it was trying Minnesota or Detroit or somebody was kind of nearing us. I know that. I don't know if it got down to a few games here or there. And then all of a sudden we kind of pushed through it near the end. I want to say it's probably Minnesota. I would, I would guess. It, uh, Cleveland ended up finishing second right behind you. So I think it was Cleveland. They had 93 wins. It was 99. Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's Cleveland. They did. They did narrow it. We had a huge lead at one point. I was going to say, and you I guys started off hot. You, you say that, and I'm immediately, I'm immediately clicking. I'm like, all right, well, let's see, what, let's see what he can find here. So you guys were really hot, 17 and seven in April. You only had one losing month the whole year, and it was August. You went 12 and 16. Otherwise, you were above 500 the whole time. 17 and seven in April, 18 and 10 in May, and 18 and seven in June. Like that's just a ridiculous yeah, start to the season. I was gonna, I was gonna say I knew it was I knew it was good. I remember August because I remember everybody's like, oh boy, are they gonna hold on? Because we obviously went out, and I would assume Cleveland was winning through right. August, and why we were losing. Um, and so, yeah, well, it was a it was a heck of a it was a heck of a run. I'll tell you what, there's a it, it was a team because we had a, a few new people on the, on the roster, and you know, you look back and they're that was a heck of a lineup, heck of a starting staff. And I mean, the bullpen, we did our job, but as I've always said, a bullpen's really hard. Now, nowadays they're a little, they're constructed a little bit differently because they do have a, quite a few long, they kind of bridge it sometimes with starters not going as long these days, but back, back then the starters were expected to go seven, eight innings every start. And I'll tell you what, between Garland, Burley, Contreras, Freddie Garcia, Duque, they all did it. I mean, it was it was almost expected. You weren't really on high high alert till five sixth inning, if any. So yeah, and and your 2005 season, you know, to focus. Uh, you keep going to teammates and stuff, and I'm going to focus selfishly on yourself. It was just fantastic what you did uh, during that 2005 season. But that was when you really came into your own. Like you said, you're talking to the bullpen. You're talking about what you're, you know, getting in there. Um, and that's really where you found your your niche in the league. And, and it's what many people know you as is what you did out of the bullpen that year. Um, but just that phenomenal 
you know, one nine four ERA, all those innings pitched and figuring out you talk about your place that was major league baseball kind of left. You know, you gotta go three, you gotta go whole inning, you gotta go three outs, but you were you were known for that guy who was gonna get that lefty out. How do you feel you took on that role and embraced it um through your time in the MLB, knowing that your job was coming out of the bullpen and doing what you had to do in whatever situation it was gonna be? Um I think the the first year was definitely a learning experience and learning what other people did like to prepare. Um, it's so hard. Cause you're like, how do you prepare? Do you want to do too much, too little, you know, how much do you want to know about a hitter? How much? And it kind of, it was up and down the first year where you're, you weren't exactly sure how to go about it. The second year, I, I kind of dumbed everything down. The first year I was, I threw a, I threw a curveball, I threw a changeup more often. The second year I came in, I, I learned a cutter. Um, Burley threw a cutter. So I learned a cutter and I ended up going predominantly, I pretty much threw two pitches that entire year. I threw a fastball, I threw a cutter, slash slider. I could expand on it a little bit, but that's how that's how I attacked hitters the entire year. Um, and it'd probably be interesting how many times I actually threw on the the arm side part of the play for me, like into a lefty or right. a way to a righty. It, it probably would be pretty staggering numbers. I guarantee I threw pretty much cutters and fastballs to my glove side the entire year. And it worked. Eventually people caught on, but, <laughs> but for that year, for that year, it worked. And I, I attribute, I've, I've, I've had AJ as a catcher that year. I had AJ as a catcher later on in Texas and I attributed to him because he, um, he's very, he know he knows exactly. He does a, really really good job knowing the hitters and knowing his pitcher how the hitters attack him in my mind and I've always had a lot of trust in him and I gained it that year because I mean I never shook him off he always it seemed like everything he put down was working everything he kept me where I needed to be the entire year whether it was get on me or you know push me along or however it had to go but um that was kind of how that year portrayed. It was, you know, I found the cutter. I was, I got in a good role. Um, you know, Marte had a stint where he was hurt or down, and I kind of stepped into a later inning role, and it kind of took off from there. Yeah, absolutely, and, and really finding what you're going to do out of the bullpen. And, you know, looking at, you know, I could go to looking at your MLB career as a whole, and we could talk about that. But, you know, the way that you talk, I'm thinking, you know, of those moments, your your favorite experiences of, of what you look at when you think about your MLB career as a whole and you think about all the things that you did throughout your MLB career, what stands out to you of this guy that you faced a bunch that you knew when you got on the mound that you felt like you were confident that you were going to get him out, that guy when you were in that lefty-lefty matchup or just your favorite experience? You know, What is one thing you take away from your career that you're pretty proud of of what you were able to do? Um, you know, the the biggest thing for me, I mean, we talked about a couple of hitters. I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I know you got a few. There were probably a lot of guys, a lot more guys that were like, oh, good, he's coming in. So, <laughs> Yeah. But we're going to feel confident, too. But, but we're going to go successful. on your end of that, and we're going to go, who do you feel <laughs> confident with? Yeah. I was pretty successful against Grady Sizemore when I was younger. Yep. David Ortiz, I had a good track record, although he hit a game-winning bomb off me, I think, the last time I freaking faced him. But, but before that, I had his number, which was, you know, good hitter. And that's really that's good a good hitter. one to have a number of, so. That's a that's – a, good hitter that I was, I was confident about facing. Um, 
but the bit the biggest thing with in terms of my career and you talk about like moments in my career is coming coming back from my my hip injuries and getting back to the big league field um because i was out I, three years almost two and a half years after tommy john i had four hip surgeries um just kind of a mess and you know what I, I kind of I thought I was going to get back into it right away. I got I was signed by the Yankees um, right after all this happened. I go into spring training. I legitimately put a pair of pants on for like 30 minutes and I get called in and they're like, oh, we, we're going to do an MRI on your hip. And I'm yeah. like, oh, shoot. And so the next day they call me in and they're like, yeah, we're going to release you. I'm like, dang, I didn't even I, I went down there two weeks early to throw too, and I was throwing for them and all the stuff on the minor league side and so I was like, got released. I'm like, oh shoot. So I go home, you know, thinking this is going to be easy. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to find another team. You know, I was signed this spring, didn't find a job at all. So I just kind of stayed healthy all year, throwing, doing whatever, get back into the next year, getting closer to 2012. Excuse me. Um, I can't, I can't find a job still. And I'm calling everywhere. My agent's calling everywhere. I'm trying. I'm throwing for guys and, you know, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever been a guy that I go into like a, a bullpen. You see these bullpens on YouTube and these guys throwing at these different facilities. I don't think I've ever been a guy that just goes out there and I'm going to light up a radar gun and it's going to be, and your ball is going to move like this and everybody's going to think it's crazy. So they see me throw and they're like, oh, it looks normal. And finally, um, couldn't get signed still, but because my medical records were yeah, yay yeah. big. Um, I finally, my agent luckily had represented at the time, uh, Profar, and he was the number one prospect in all of baseball, I believe at that time, but for the Rangers, for sure. And he called the Rangers, gave him a call. Luckily they answered the call because he was his agent. So they probably wanted to keep him happy. So, uh, but they, they came and saw me and it was a, you know, they're, I think it was their cross checker or something who's seen me since college, knew each other. He's like, you look the same. He goes, I'm going to put a call. And he goes, I think he goes, we have another guy with a bad hip. I think we can, you know, navigate around this. The next thing you know, they're like, we're going to, we're going to offer you a spot, a minor league, um, you know, just bring you to the minor leagues, see what happens. Next thing you know, I was in the minor league camp and, you know, I, um, I got, I got down there. I was, I threw pretty well. Um, I ended up getting hurt again with my lat, but I, uh, but I ended up throwing for the big league side a little bit, got moved over here and there. And then I finished up in triple A that year. And I was a little fearful because I mean, I only threw a couple innings because I tore my lat and um, I was fearful. They weren't going to offer me a contract for the next year, but they brought me back and, you know, I had an awful spring. They sent me to triple (laughs) A and I ended up putting together a better year that year than I did in 05. I had yeah. one of the best years of my – if you put the numbers together in AAA, I know it's AAA and big leagues, it's not the same. But National the entire the entire year was one of the best years I've I've had. And, you know, the moment I got called, you know, I, I, I don't know how many months I put down in the minors that year, a month and a half, but that call, you know, when they called me up was – it was pretty special because it took – you know, three like grueling, not grueling years. I mean, I, I had some big league time. I had a family, I had money. I mean, all, yeah. all the, all the little things were fine. So it's not like I was 
but it, it was a lot of hard work I needed to put in to get back to where I, I ultimately wanted to be and know that I could do it, still do it, or try to still do it. So that was like the, the best moment of my career on a personal level. Yeah, absolutely. That 2013 years, that other, you know, really good year that stands out for you and what you were able to do, but just as many people will say, you know, a pretty outstanding, you know, big league career and everything you were able to do. And, and it's from your time and what you were able to build on and what you were able to do, you know, so looking back as a whole, some really fond things to look at, but I'm going to dive into just a few more questions for you. Um, kind of what you're up to these days, you know, you're a part of the developmental games with the Slammers Training Academy. How do you view the importance of player development throughout, you know, high school players, college players career? And how do you think summer baseball can play a key role in that development? Going back to, you know, what you knew from your time uh, in the CICL, what you've been able to observe and see, but just from your experience uh, in developing players uh, with your Slammers Training Academy. Um, I So going through the younger, the younger ages, I mean, we developed the baseball end of it. We're, uh, we have trying to put together some winning teams and develop some kids. And we have, a, we have quite a few teams. We have 21 teams now this year. And so that's quite a few players. So we have some players at some different levels. You know, there's the top teams and all of the age groups are pretty solid. And, you know, we work down for some kids that who knows, they're going to blossom at a, at a, at maybe a different time. And a lot of, a lot of the, as I navigated through 12, 13, U, 14, U, as I'm at now with my son is a lot of the differences there are some skills differences but some of the differences is just the physical nature some kids grow dramatically quicker than others and then some catch up and by the end of high school everybody's kind of you know where they're at whether they're they're going to be you know big physical kid or you know fast guy or how it's going but um with our program you know we put together we put together some solid teams we try to we try to really instill these kids whether Yes, we'd like them all to go to college and play baseball and further their career if they would desire to. But, you know, we would like to add, you know, other aspects to their life where, you know, they're they're learning some accountability. They're learning to take care of things themselves where, you know, when they're stepping into college, whether it is just going for baseball or whether they're going to ISU or Illinois, University of Illinois on a, to go get a business degree or broadcasting degree mm. or whatever whatever their whatever their their aspirations are that they're gonna come out of this after you know how many ever years they're with our program that they're gonna have a, a good base to you know go about their lives whether it's in the baseball aspect or something else yeah absolutely and you know in the in the tunnel vision of what we do you know here at the prospect league and you know, I think the way that you speak is kind of, I think you would enjoy, you know, what we've been able to do uh, in the past few years and be able to build here at the Prospect League. But just from your time in the CICL and our predecessor, just to the time of your experience and other stuff, do you think summer college baseball is important? And if you do, you know, why to fans, to players, do you think it's important? You know, not so much to me, you don't have to sell it to me. I, I get it or I believe yeah. it is, but to fans, to players, why do you think they should? I, I I think there's more to it than just the baseball. I think the baseball part of it's great. Um, I think I think pitchers need to throw more. I think that's how you learn. I think you learn how to pitch by actually facing hitters and developing that part of the game. I I don't think it's I think there's areas for lessons and bullpens and all this stuff and 
you know, there's definitely room for, you know, the improvement on the side of, you know, taking a couple months and trying to develop something. But I, I think you learn how to compete and pitch by doing it physically on a mound. Um, as you see, there's some guys in the big leagues and you don't see a ton of, but you see guys that have stuff that you would not ever scout or ever like say, this is our, the guy that's going to be 10 years in the big leagues. Um, but next thing you know, they know how to get people out. They know how to, they know how to pitch. They know how to do those things. And that's where you're going to learn it. You're not going to learn it doing it by yourself, throwing into a net. All right. With nobody hitting. Um, on the the other aspect of it, I just I just think that the summer game, it bring you're going away, you're going to meet, you're going to meet. I don't know. You probably go with a couple guys from your school, but then you're going to be with twenty other guys from different schools. Um, that's how minor league baseball kind of is. And you know what? If your aspirations are to you know get to, into the professional end of it, um, there's going to be you're going to have to figure out a way to get along with everybody and be a good teammate and that's how it's going to be until you know that you're done playing you know because there's guys from every aspect of life and all of these teams and that's what the, the fun part about it you get to know so many different guys you get a, a different manager you get it seems like pretty good crowds at some of these facilities so that that's the part of it that that would be the selling point for me i I never, I haven't been home since I was 18 years old. That was the last summer I think I spent at home when I was playing. And it was, there were some of the best experiences of my life, you know, going through that. Yeah. I think uh, my takeaway from all of this is we're going to have to get you out to a prospect league game pretty soon here. So you can experience, you can <laughs> experience you what it's like these days. I got two more questions for you. And I think they're just little fun ones to wrap up on talking about baseball mementos is one of the favorite things that people love to talk about. What's your favorite baseball medal from your career? Do you have a ball that you sit in your trophy case that you remember? You got that world series ring, of course, you know, what is, I'll give you an example. I thought Warren Morris's favorite memento is going to be his gold or his bronze medal. It wasn't, it's the ball that the guy gave him and he hit his home run. He needs to get the bat and the ball, but it's that ball that's pretty special to him <laughs> from that, that home run. So, you know, what to you is that special thing or what is one of your favorite, you know, mementos? Um, you know what? I, I got a ball from, I got one hit. I got one hit in the big leagues. <laughs> accidentally. Um, I do have that ball that, 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 uh, and I, I, I was one for two struck out the next time but somehow i got it i got a double there's a and hit oh a double it, too <laughs> in my in montreal before they closed it down yeah. so that's just proves how long ago it was. <laughs> it was like the old turf and stuff like that it was yeah. it was definitely different so i definitely have that ball so that means and then uh, i should have kept the strikeout one too to add both of them but uh i think i was throwing a lot harder than the first guy yeah. i didn't have much of a chance <laughs> but yeah you know i i i it was a reliever the whole time American league. I, I didn't have many opportunities, um, many opportunities to take at bats, but, uh, my second at bat, I do remember because Lou, I was pitching we were getting killed by, uh, Baltimore with the Cubs. Lou Pinella comes up to me and he's like, Hey kid, he, go, <laughs> he called everybody kid. Cause I was but like, that's like, how kid. Lou Pinella talked. Cause he yeah. said, Hey kid, he's like, Hey, he's like, Hey kid. He goes, why don't you go hit? And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're going to go pitch the next inning, too. And I'm like, uh, he goes, am I going to ruin your batting average? I said, I looked out there, and it was uh, Jim Johnson, the big 6'6 six, six guy, 6'7", six, whatever he was from Baltimore at the time. 
and I he's up, upper nineties, and I looked down. I was like, "There's a really good shot." I said, "I'm batting a thousand, Lou." He's like, "Well, you'll be batting 500 in a little bit. Don't worry." <laughs> and, uh, I went up. I I actually fouled one ball off, which I I probably almost went in our dugout, but uh, that was my successful, you know, against him. And then I was like, he looked so close. He looked like he was like two feet away from me throwing. Right. I was just hoping to God he didn't hit me because I would have been out. <laughs> you for survived a while. it. You survived yeah. it. So. Uh, and then last question for you, it's one of my favorites is that baseball field of dreams. You know, what is your favorite ballpark um, to take in a game, to watch a game, to play in a game, you know, from your long career to even the minors to the college, you know, what is that one place that you love to play? In, and then what is a, a favorite place of you that like you, you like to take in a game as well? Um, my favorite place when I was playing to go to, which I don't know, it's probably not many people, you never know, but it's Seattle. I really, I, I don't know. I really like Seattle. I like the, uh, uh, when King Felix was pitching, the crowds were good. Yep. Now it seems like they're getting quite a bit more people in there. But um, at that point in time, it was, when he was pitching, the crowds were pretty good. Other than that, it was hit, hit or miss. But I love, I love the field. I, I love the city, you know, the weather. I mean, it was always, I just enjoyed everything about being out in that, that part of the country. Um, but I was going to selfishly go watch a baseball game. I'm a huge Cardinals fan, so it's hard not to uh, hard not to embrace Bush Stadium and think that they have uh, probably some of the best fans. That I don't know that I, I'm biased, but I yeah, but I, I believe they have some of the best fans there are. Very good place to take in a game. We love Bush and and yeah. all of our prospect league connections. But you know, selfishly, probably wish you would have thrown a, a game for the Cardinals at some point if you're a big Cardinal fan, but you know, you got it from the other I, side, you felt that rivalry in the Cubs side of things. So. Yeah, no, I was hoping, um, I was hoping near the end of my career, I could just, uh, I mean, even if, cause I spent the last two years in the minor leagues, you know, yep. jumping around one year and then my last year with Washington. Um, I was hoping that maybe it would pop up even to go to spring training with them. And, you know, that would have been kind of a, a dream scenario to try to get up with them. And then we almost played them in the world series. I mean, there was a possibility we could have played them in the world series, but I did get my stent pitching in St. Louis, you know, via the Cubs. So, and the Rangers, we went there actually when I was with the Rangers. So I did, I did get to pitch at least at Bush stadium, just not for the, not for the hometown I grew up watching. Not for the the Southern Illinois kid who is a big Cardinal fan even at this point. But I want to thank you for your time on the Prospect League podcast. This was really fun. Uh, Neil Kotz, I I think I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did as well. And I I think the fans will enjoy it as well. So thank you so much uh, for joining me. You're welcome. Had a blast. Thank you. Thanks again to Neil Kotz for joining me today on the Prospect League podcast. I really enjoyed that interview with Neil Kotz. A little different perspective than what we have heard in the most recent episodes of the Prospect League podcast. Neil had a really good time in his time with the Quincy Gems in the CICL, but a long major league career, lots of success, up and downs in his career through injury, through triumph, through a World Series championship. So really good stuff from Neil Kotz and good to see he's still connected to the game of baseball as well. And the same thing I said to our last guest, I'll say again to Neil, I hope he takes up my offer uh, and comes out to a Prospect League game this year because I really enjoy our alumni enjoying. They have been willing to come back and join me on the Prospect 
Rec League podcast. So I hope they can continue to dip their toes back into their former land of summer dreams that they played here in the Prospect League and the CICL. Before we wrap up this week's episode, let's get to what we always do and let's talk about three things you need to know that's happening right now in the Prospect League. We're continuing to do our 60 years of baseball celebration here in the Prospect League. We're doing that countdown until opening day with 60 days of baseball and we're highlighting a former Prospect League player or coach or whoever has been excited enough to be a part of the Prospect League over their career. We're highlighting them on social media right now, so you can check out all those on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook uh, at our Prospect League social media channels. We have more exciting ones coming this week as we continue to move closer to the present day as we're in the 90s and early 2000s now as we, the 1990s, and we see some really exciting players that some of the younger generation might know as well now as we're going to see Ryan Howard, Jonathan Papelbon, and Ben Zobrist this week just among the few that we're rolling out some really some exciting alumni that we're highlighting this week so check that out on our social media channels MLB's Mexico City Series took place this weekend and if you check that out you might have saw two former Prospect League alumni there as 2011 Dubas County Bombers Sean Manaya pitched for the Giants as well as 2009 Danville Dan's Austin Nola was a part of the Padres as a catcher there for them as well so if you checked out that series we saw two former uh, Prospect League alumni there really some exciting alumni exposure there and I wanted to highlight that you probably can go back and look at it somewhere but just some exciting news of what just recently happened in the prospect league world uh, um, of our alumni playing in some really exciting games there and lastly all 17 teams in the prospect league continue to roll out their rosters for this year player announcements are continuing to happen on social media across the prospect league so check out each individual individual teams prospect league social media channels twitter instagram facebook everybody's there we got the youtube we got it all and those websites so check out those websites truthfully if you go to prospectleague.com and you head to that top bar every team's website is featured there with their social media links on their website so check out the player announcements that are continuing to be rolled out in the prospect league as those rosters are continuing to come along and they're continuing to get announced and soon enough you'll really be able to access them on prospectleague.com as well you can see some portions of rosters there right now but make sure you're checking out all of that as we approach the season and get all of that ready with schedules they're already out they've been out for a while so if you're getting ready in that sense but rosters are continuing to be unveiled so check those out on the social media channels but that is all i have this week on the prospect league podcast that concludes this week's episode more exciting interviews are coming your way so please continue to support this podcast by liking subscribing and commenting on whatever podcast platform you're on remember to use those comments on youtube specifically to tell me what you want to hear what you want me to cover and who you want me to talk to but continue to support the prospect league podcast so i can continue to do this with you every few weeks when we get to the season every week so until next time i'm lucas burris signing off on the prospect league podcast